Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Cheers to Beers. I'm your host, Jess Keller Poole. And today we have got something outside the box. We are finally doing a cider episode. Um, seems like it's been a long time coming and we finally got a chance to talk to a cider professional. So Shauna and I, co-host Shauna, y'all know her, today are joined by Caitlin Bram of Yonder Cider Company, which is a somewhat new cidery that has operations both here in Seattle as well as Wenatchee, Washington, which is kind of in the heart of apple country. So it all makes sense. But what's also cool that here in Seattle, Caitlin has set up the Yonder Bar, which is a garage bar that uh, they were able to put in because they opened during COVID and, you know, trying to find a place and uh, what's going on. Like, nah, just (laughs) transformed her garage into a little mini bar, which for right now is to go only. But it's super adorable, um, really great cider. So if you are in the Seattle area, you got to hit up the Yonder Bar in Finney Ridge. So going down a little bit different path today, a little bit different fermentation theme. Um, But cider often falls into the craft beer world as well. So while it's not the same product, it is still a delicious fermented beverage that really is alongside beer. I mean, when are you going to a, a brewery that doesn't it, they always got to have a non-beer option and cider is usually the go-to. So Caitlin is the president of Yonder Cider Company. So and she's got a, a long history of working in the beverage industry, fermented beverage industry. Um so she's got a, a lot to say, a lot to learn about today. So um I mean like I said if you're in Seattle you got to cop yourself some Yonder but if not, you know go ahead and try to find a local craft cider to be drinking along with us. In fact, right now, I am drinking one of the ciders. It's one of those things where I don't tend to have cider in my fridge that often. And when I do, it's like kind of a special thing, something I'm seeking out, Um, not necessarily like a daily drink for me. So Yonder's really become a good go-to in terms of a non-beer option. So it's nice to have like a daily drinking cider in there. And sometimes you just need a little break from what you're normally drinking. So, you know, always a good pivot. Uh, here's your reminder to pivot, to try something new, even step outside of beer every once in a while. So make sure to follow Yonder Cider. Um, check them out. We do also talk about a local Amaro distillery, Fast Penny Spirits. So um, they're super rad. Information will be in the description. And make sure you stay tuned until the end of the episode. We're going to have a little preview promo for one of the other shows that are here on the Titan Cast Network. So I'm featuring Man Bites Dog, which is a humorous news show about the oddities and craziness that this world is. As always, you can follow me at Just Just Beer on Instagram at Seattle Beer School. Um, Seattle Beer School is on TikTok. Follow Shauna at a young Billy Crystal. All right, let's get into it, shall we? In this episode, we are talking about what semi-sweet actually means. Miller Lite with uh, green olives. And do you know what Ciderkins is? Ciderkin? Well, you're going to find out. So grab your cider, pop it open, and join us. Cheers. This this cover still smells like chlorine. 
<laughs> it must have, maybe I, dirt like, maybe in the summer I, like, got chlorine on it somehow. Was that podcasting near a pool? Ooh, that would be a fun podcast lesson, in a pool. I mean, technically, we've Instagram lived in a pool. I was in a pool when we did the Instagram takeover of Bottleworks. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. In my sister's pool. (laughs) But it's not even like a a real pool. It was like one of those. I mean, it's a real pool, but it's like. But like above ground. (laughs) (laughs) They were all like, Sean, are you done with your stupid beer thing yet? And I was like, no, dude, it goes all day. That day went so fast for me because we were doing a Mosher every hour on the hour. So it was like, you think we didn't have that much time? Hello. My husband's out of town this weekend. So I'm like a little like loosey goosey on my schedule. And, you know, I went to Fast Penny Spirit today and that was awesome. Um, I don't know if you guys have been over there at all. No. No, what is that? Fast Penny Spirits, it's like American Amaro. Um, it's a female run. Uh, it's like I've the, heard of this. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, went over there and met with one of the owners, and they're just great people. They've got an awesome setup. Do you guys know where Rooftop Brewing is? Yes. So it's right behind Rooftop in that kind of like shipping yard cool. area. And they awesome. they launched into July, end of July. And so okay. they're kind of similar to us where it's like – launched and grew up in COVID and who knows what the fuck is going on. And like, it can only get better from here. Right. Um, yeah. So they're, they're fantastic, but you should follow them, head over there, like send them a message. Let them know if you're going, I think every Saturday they're doing like a different cocktail with the Romaros. Uh, today it was a black Manhattan, which I'm not upset about. Uh, oh, oh, you're talking to Manhattan fans right here. <laughs> yes, so, we used to do a thing called Manhattan Mondays. Yeah, yeah. Which, that's. I mean, just turn it. I can I join? That sounds fantastic. Yes, yes absolutely. Yes, please. It's a sensation um, that's going to take the nation. Oh, I'm a big Negroni fan. So if you start like a Negroni thing, let me know. So. Speaking of you, language. you are on our level right now. Um, had, Come on. We had a friend make fun of Shauna recently. He was like, Negroni is an old lady drink. And I was like, I don't, I don't I'm feel sorry. That way. Negroni is not an old lady drink. Also, if you do mezcal Negronis, definitely not an, an old lady drink, which is like my jam. Have you guys had a, oh. a mezcal Negroni? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so tall, so tall Negroni. Ooh, not had a so tall Negroni. Yeah. I mean, if, you know. But it's just like there, there's so many layers. There's just so many things we could do with Negroni. Oh, yeah. People who don't like the Negroni don't understand. Probably. Uh, and I just they, don't get how that's an old lady drink. If you were like Gimlet, I'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> old lady drink for sure. But like Negroni's kind of a badass drink. I, yeah, agree. I agree. It's pure, it's pure booze. Like a cool old lady. If someone was like, that's an old lady drink, I'm like, yeah, like Liza Minnelli. Okay, fine. I hope 30 years from now I'm still drinking Negronis and somebody's like, that's an old lady drink. And I'll be like, hell yeah, it is. Um, Amaro spot you're talking about because Shauna and I are big Amaro people too. And I feel like there's been situations, we both really like Chinar. And sometimes I just love a sort of Amaro just straight as is. I don't yeah. need to even mix anything. And I've had some people think that's strange, but I just prefer to sip on an Amaro sometimes versus a full on spirit, like a whiskey, which I love, but it's like sometimes it's just a little nicer to bring it down a little bit. We're surrounded by so much booze in a day that, like, you know, a little Amaro goes a long way. My favorite thing is called a little ripper. Do you guys know what that is? No. Mm-hmm. It's Amaro um, club soda, lemon juice, and then um, a lemon peel. And then, you know, those big old green olives. 
You put a yes. couple of those in there for like a snack at the end. Little Rippers are like my favorite, um, just like low ABV spritz kind of cocktail, easy. And I make it with Basque Penny Spirits, their Americano. And it's probably not had that. Delish. Yeah. You guys have to go over there. They're open. You have to be okay with day drinking, which I mean, well, whatever. That's usually our jam. <laughs> We'd rather drink and then go to bed early because we're old like, ladies. Yeah. 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 yeah like, <laughs> like, if we're not in bed by 8 30, then. What's what happens? Like you're the the crows are gonna get you. What's the, what's that saying? Like what? oh, what? <laughs> turn into <laughs> turn into a pumpkin. You turn it, that's it. That's it. The crows are gonna the get crows you. crows are gonna get you. I'm gonna look at that one. Um, <laughs> that's a little more morbid. <laughs> this is such a great start to a podcast. I'm loving it so far. Uh, but yeah, definitely check out Fast Betty. Oh, dude, for sure. I, I love it. It's probably someone I'd even want to interview. I mean, this is a beer podcast, but I really love the idea of branching out into other beverages and talking to people there because sometimes there's only so much you can say about beer and it's just nice yeah. to get other perspective which is why we're chatting with you today and it takes a lot of other beverages to make good beer so that's true that's and a great it's point. that's true uh it, i was thinking about this too and it was like it's so funny how there sometimes the worlds can be so segmented like cider beer wine booze let's just say liquor like and when in fact like if you just like all got into a room we'd be like oh yeah we probably all drink the same thing at the end of the night or you know or we all love the same sort of things and so it's just so strange that there's like and then i guess that happens naturally for any sort of field but like if booze is your common denominator <laughs> you're good i worked in all of them so i worked beer spirits wine cider um, have not done the hard sparkling seltzer kombucha side of things, but your mainline <laughs> okay. uh, ones, uh, I worked in all of them. And so I'm an equal opportunity drinker, equal opportunity beverage person. Cider just happens to be where I've landed for now. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that a little bit further. But first, I believe we're all drinking yonder right now. Unless, Kaylin, yeah. you have something different. Um, but yeah, okay, we all, have, we all have something different open. This is perfect. Oh, you guys have the pretty cans. You have the, like, the lovely David dropped off shrink wrap cans. Yeah, I've got the oh, yonder yeah. bar cans. <laughs> um, so I haven't had the cashmere, which is the, poly or the winter seasonal, um, if I'm correct. And so I'm super stoked to try this one because I've had um, dry, semi-sweet, and the um, pal palisades. Palisades. Um, palisades. Yeah. Yeah. So. Speaking of Negronis. Yes, That's right? what that is. Yeah. It all ties together. Uh, all of our seasonals are after cocktails I love. So um, Palisades was Blackberry and Sage after a cocktail at Oliver Swiss, my favorite cocktail bar up here in Finney Ridge. I used That's to where Shawnee used to go all the time. <laughs> Yeah, we, we're up in Finney, and I we moved here about seven, almost eight years ago, and I just love this neighborhood, and I've loved how it's changed over the years, and, like, it just keeps getting better. I, like, there's definitely development, but not as, like, much development as I thought maybe would happen, and Oliver Twist, uh, Karuna owns it now, and he's just an awesome dude. He's sweetheart. He's so sweet, and um, his old Sally, the cocktail that sucks. On the menu called the Old Sally is a blackberry sage shrub with I think there's like a little bit of peach liqueur in there and some bourbon and it is fantastic. You can get it to go right now still, but that's kind of what inspired Palisades. And then cashmere is modeled after a Negroni, my one of my other favorite cocktails. So um, yeah. tart cherry, uh, tart cranberry, dark cherry, and a little bit of uh, bitter orange peel in there. 
I can, this cherry aroma is present on here. It's like, besides the apple, it's like the next note I'm picking up on right away. But it's great because you picked up on the apple first, right? And so with our ciders, that's the big thing. A lot of fruit and ciders, you'll just get whatever fruit you've added in. Um, all of our ciders are a base of culinary, but then have about 20 to 15 or 15 to 20% cider fruit. And, and so what those are, are they're apples that are a bit more aromatic or tannic, have a bit more body. And we add that into that culinary base to give our cider more of all of those attributes. And so we don't want to cover those up. They're delicious. They're not cheap. And we want you to taste the apple first and then have these complimentary flavors coming through. Yeah, I think that's that's big because with our experience, and I'm sure with you too, is um, if we're talking about fruited any beverage, and then for Sean and I, particularly in beer, if you're getting like a fruited kettle sour Berliner Weiss Goza, it's usually so extreme fruit puree that you're not actually tasting the beer. You're just kind of tasting the fruit puree. And I could see how that could be an issue in cider as well. So to have a fine balance, I think one isn't easy to do, but two, like much appreciated on the consumer's end, at least for me. For sure. We were talking about this recently about with a mead, which is like kind of the dorky person in the corner. Like if there was a party <laughs> and there's like, a line at like every cider festival for like the mead place. And it's like yeah. the mead line. And you're like, Oh, okay. Those are mead people. You're like, those are the mead people, which is super rude. But you know, if there was like a party, the beer people would be like chugging. And then like the wine people would be like in the kitchen, probably talking shit about the beer people and the cider people would be everywhere. I think. Yeah, like talking to people everywhere, and then we're like this big, so we can't really talk shit. We need all the help we can get. Exactly, (laughs) and then the meat people are just like in the corner somewhere. Um, But anyways, we were talking about like you know, but meat is cool, and like just with the cider and wine, like there's different you know varietals and different like years and like different because bees are are amazing creatures and do all these different amazing things. So it's like, but when you put fruit in it, it kind of covers that in some ways, unless you're doing it right, which a lot of meat makers do. Um, but it's kind of cool just to have it naked, you know, to be able to um, taste that. Yeah. And that's why, you know, our main, our two mainstays are dry and semi-sweet and they are different in their own right. It's not just like the dry with like sugar added to make the semi-sweet. <laughs> they right. have the same culinary base, but then they have those 20% cider fruit that go into it. Those fruits are different in their own right. So you know, the semi or the dry is a bit more on the tropical side. It's got Roxbury rusted in it. It's got a few like Porter's Perfection, Wix and Crab, and it's on the tartar side, a bit more acidic, where then semi-sweet has this really nice like lemon note to it a lot of times. Um, you know, the sweetness isn't sweet. It just balances out the cider nicely because what we find a lot of times is that people come, they're like, I want your driest cider. And you're going to pour them the dry. And they're like, too dry, too dry. I want something. Like, it's There's a uh, preconceived notion of cider and it being on the sweet side. But when you get a really true dry cider, it is tart and it's delicious. It's what I love. But mm-hmm. at the same time, semi-sweet is usually what people are looking for. So they can have like a well-balanced, not overly acidic um, drink. And I love that about our ciders is that the dry and semi-sweet stand in their own. And like there are occasions when I want the dry and there are occasions when I want the semi-sweet and they have different notes to them. It's not just a sweetness level. So... Yeah. And I think that they're, they are distinct in those ways you just talked about, but also if people, like you're saying, get really hooked on the idea of sweetness in cider. And like, if we're talking about like actual sweetness or like apple fruitiness, 
that portion of it doesn't seem that different to me because I had semi-sweet a little bit earlier and I had the dry yesterday. And I love the dry because it's not suck all the moisture out of your mouth dry. Um, some people say, like what you said, give me the driest one you have. And I've given people in my service experience super dry and they're like, I can't even drink this. I'm like, all right. So I, I think there's a general misunderstanding of what that scale is between dry and sweet, which I do think has something to do with like the bigger players insider, the people that uh, the brands that people are familiar with, mm-hmm. um, like Angry Orchard or something, which may be labeled as semi-sweet, but is actually sweet versus your cider. When you say semi-sweet, it's actually semi-sweet. <laughs> it's like the classification is correct, which I was texting Shauna about earlier. I was like, we're um, BJCP uh, judges, beer judges as well. So I can get really hooked on classification because like when we're judging, that's what you have to base it off of. So I love seeing things that I feel like are appropriately categorized. And hopefully (laughs) your brain. Yeah, it it is. It's hard because semi-sweet is like my favorite cider. It is the most beautiful cider we make, honestly. Like it has the best cider fruit in it, but it is not one of our top sellers. And because it says semi sweet on it. And a lot of people are like, why don't you just change it to semi-dry? And I'm like, no, because it's not a semi-dry. And mm-hmm. so like, maybe we'll give it a name, right? To like, get people over this hump of just like, it's not semi-sweet because it's sweet. It's semi-sweet because that, that's the classification for it. I'm like, yes, maybe Angry Orchard has a lot of stuff that doesn't fall into those categories. But I got to tell you, that's an industry-wide thing. That's not just a big player thing. You have a lot of small cideries that are too labeling their dry, their their semi-sweet ciders dry because of that phenomenon of consumers thinking they want dry and that being like where their brain goes, but they don't actually. And so it's hard because like I love a good semi-sweet cider with like Thai food, anything spicy, yeah. right? Yeah. And it like yeah. it cuts it cuts through that spiciness and it cuts through that the the just the flavors really well. It melts together, but if you label it dry, I'm not going to pick it up because I'm looking for a semi-sweet cider to go with my Thai food. And so it's a challenge in the industry overall. And, um, you know, I'll name semi-sweet something different, like another town, like all of our our seasonal ciders are before I label it semi-dry or something different because it is a semi-sweet cider. And that's, we stand by that. You know, it makes me think of like, um, I worked in a cocktail place for a while in New York and people were always very obsessed with sweetness. And it's, it's, it's just like, it must be a very American thing. I mean, I don't know. I've never lived in another country, so I'm not sure, but I think it's American people being like obsessed with how much sugar is in something. And they're like, is that cocktail sweet? And I'm like, it does have sugar in it, but that's what makes it so good. It's like a balance. Like, can you imagine having that blackberry sage cocktail without any like simple syrup or shrub or like, you know, of course everything has to be balanced, but like, you know, it's okay to have a cider that has sweetness in it, but it's such a thing. And even today being at Fast Penny Spirits, they were talking about their Americano, like their original, you know, um, their original Amaro, they did it a lower sugar version. And then they did one that had to touch more sweetness. And they ended up with the one that has a touch more sweetness because it goes into cocktails better. If you had one that didn't have any sugar to it or any sweetness to it, it just disappeared. And like, it's, it's not just a cider thing. It's an across the industry thing, right? It's like all the beverages, you need sugar to balance these things out. And I think it is a lot of times an American thing. That's why the hard seltzer craze is so big in the US is like how many calories or like make ultra light or whatever these things are 90 calorie beers and you're like I just I want I actually wanted to taste like something and so it's 
it's definitely more, I think, an American phenomenon. Uh, but it's not always a good thing. No, oh, no. <laughs> it's usually not a good thing. Um, like with us, so like you, um, so in the cider world, it's um, RS, right? For residual sugar, that's like a thing, right? Yep. <laughs> um, which is not a thing in in beer, right? It, we talk about like final gravity or specific gravity, as you know, as being a beer person. Um, and, you know, people don't talk in those terms, like consumers don't, like nerds do and like brewers do. Uh, but it's it would be cool if we were able to educate people to be like, uh, you know, like you can have a uh, a barley wine that has a, a lot of, you know, fi the final gravity is high um, and it's sweet, but like there's other things balancing it that makes it um, more palatable, alcohol um, or bitterness or, you know, it's different for cider, but. Yeah. And it's cider's hard because cider's technically wine, right? So you're also dealing with things like tannin and perceived sweetness and acidity mm -hmm. and like all of these other things. So I used to be president of Seattle Cider Company. And when we launched that company, we ended up doing something called bricks, which is like the amount of like sugar in a wine. We mm -hmm. equated that to like IBUs. So you know, in beer, when you're like, how hoppy or not hoppy or how like is my is my beer, we like we use bricks as our way to be like, at least in the Seattle cider and like that world and many other cideries do it now of like, okay, in our realm, like this one falls here and this one falls here. So you can get kind of an idea, but it's hard because the tannins and the acidity level of apples, they all change that like perceived sweetness. And so something might have the same bricks you know, from cidery to cidery, may have the same residual sweetness level, but depending on what apples you use or how long you fermented it or whatever, it could, the perception could be totally different and totally off. So it's, it's a hard one. Um, international bittering unit. People love to see that number because ideally it could tell you how bitter a beer is going to be on a scale of one to a hundred, but because beer has several ingredients, an IBU can be really high and it could not be a hoppy beer because the malts um, presence is so strong and there's so much sugar in it that it has to be balanced by the hops. So it's like, I feel like there's kind of a similarity there where it's like people can definitely get hooked on a concept without thinking about all the other things that goes into processing and fermenting and creating a fermented beverage. Exactly. Yeah. And just as you were saying too, that there's other things like perceived sweetness is so huge, right? Like you smell something that's dry hopped, um, you know, with very like American hops, that's so super like citrusy or like new, new world hops. So very like, uh, you know, galaxy, let's say, or something you smell it. And you're like, well, this would be so fruity. Uh, and it makes you think it's going to be so sweet. Even if the beer itself is very dry, like, you know, it's like almost all the sugars have been, uh, munched, munched up. Um, yeah, yeah <laughs> no, for sure. It's, it's, uh, it's an ongoing challenge that we have. And like, it's why we try, it's hard. We launched during COVID and nobody can taste our stuff. Nobody can sample anything. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, we have to try and explain it the best way we can. And like we have Yonder Bar, which is our little to-go spot that is in my garage uh, of all things. And awesome. <laughs> what we do is exactly what I gave you guys is like a mixed four pack. When somebody's new, we can have four different ciders that we give them and be like, here, try all of these see what you love, come back, tell us, and then we'll direct you in the, like where you need to go and what, you will, what you're going to like. And I think right now that's our sampling. That's our tap takeover. That's all the things that we were able to do in an era of COVID. And it is allowing us to get it out there a little bit more. Um, and the nice thing about the seasonals being named something 
is that people just don't, they don't think about sweetness as much. Um, so it's that ongoing battle of like, do you name things and then get word that you're going to get like sued someday because you didn't trademark the name and somebody else has got it. God. It's such She's a nightmare uh, as I know you guys know, but like at the same time, <laughs> you know, then if you name things dry, semi-sweet, semi-dry, then you're going to have preconceived notions. So it's, I mean, you're never going to win it all, but we try. People people with the suing and like the, <laughs> like, the tra- like, like just calm down everyone. Like it's going to be okay. You know, the- Sorry, my dog's talking. Um, the names we ended up picking were towns that we get our apples from that are near Wenatchee. And so Kashmir, Palisades, um, Sunny Slope is our spring seasonal that's coming out. They're all oh, I love that name. great names. We love them. and But they are places we get our apples from. And so I was like, fine. Nobody can sue me if I named it after a town. <laughs> yeah. No, and yeah, I feel like that's not only smart on a business level, but it's a nice way to honor the place where your apples are produced and processed. Yeah. A lot, some people know, but some people don't. So we get people that are like from central Washington and they know Palisades. They, they're like, they're from sunny slope. It's cool for them. They That's love it. Really cool. And we have like a bunch of people from Kashmir that were like, can I get Kashmir in Kashmir? And so that's, that's fun. And it's our way to like, we have this sometimes a little bit of an identity crisis because I live in Seattle. Our production facilities in Wenatchee, all of our apples come from Wenatchee. Um, and like, I'm back and forth all the time, but yonder bars here in Seattle, we're constantly trying to find ways to tie back in to where everything that we make comes from and where everything is produced. Um, you know, we have a lot of people that come up to yonder bar and they're like, do you guys produce it in the back? And I'm like, back where? <laughs> in my bathroom? <laughs> back in the garage? It's not very big. It's like cranking every day batches of cider. <laughs> Which is like, fair enough, right? Like, if you don't know... Like, you don't know. Yeah, and you're right. like, I don't know, you're selling it here, so you must make it back there. My, you know, maybe your garage is really deep and it's like one of those tunnels. Um, but <laughs> it's, um, yeah, we're just trying to find ways to tie back. And so, and to like let people know about Wenatchee and that Washington state actually produces 60% of the country's apples. Like, that's an amazing fact. And like cideries across the country actually get a lot of their juice from here. And so we feel very fortunate as a cidery to be able to be here to use both culinary and cider fruit that is grown here and put out a product that we're really proud of. That is, that is local. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to ask some more details about that, but I want to back it up a little bit and talk about your history, your cider beverage history a little bit. So we know you in this moment as uh, yonder, but you said you've got history with Seattle cider company. Do you have previous cider experience and you've also mentioned working in other areas you know so what other areas have you worked in and then what has ultimately kind of landed you in cider yeah so I started homebrewing with my dad as a kid and so I lived in Minnesota and um yeah and so when I moved to Seattle um it was right after college or a couple years after college I moved out here my husband had moved out here and at that time it was like that was 12 years ago. It was like the nano brewery saying, right? Like Fremont and two beers and like all these places were just getting started. And so I moved out here and Minnesota is amazing craft beer scene now. But at the time I joked that it was like land of Miller Lite and Applebee's like, that's mm-hmm. what you did. Like I, you know, I, I'm the Midwest martini gal that adds like green olives to my Miller Lite. And so, <laughs> um, <laughs> 
I like that. It's really good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm making all like snacks out of an end of a drink thing. So it's like yeah, a, I'm, I'm here theme. for it. I love it's it. It's great. <laughs> I'm going to give you a great garnish if I ever make you a drink. I appreciate that. Yeah. Garnish Big on like the cherries at the end of drinks today. Yeah. It's, it's, it's important. Yeah. So when I moved down to Seattle, I like was just enamored by the scene out here. And it just, I was working for a PR firm that was doing consumer PR. And so it was, you know, a lot of restaurants and hotels and wineries. Um, but I started just touring around all the tiny little craft brewery festivals and hanging out and, um, you know, got to know the founder of Two Beers Brewing really on, really early on and, you know, Airways Brewing and all of that. And so I just really started to immerse myself in it um, at the PR firm. Um, did a lot of PR for Mary Hill Winery, which is out of the, Gorge, you know, the Columbia River Gorge area. Um, so got into wine that way and just learning more and more about that. Um, and then about, you know, three years later, I started my own PR marketing freelance shop and took on a bunch more clients, did Frolic Kitchen and Cocktails downtown and um, took on Two Beers Brewing as a client and just, you know, really immersed myself in the beverage scene at Three Howells Distilling uh, and just tried to learn everything I could. And somebody was asking me the other day, they're like, how did you like learn about it all? So I was like, I am never afraid to ask a question or say when I don't know something still to this day. Um, And I'm never afraid to drink anything at least once and uh, try it all. And I think that my like sense of curiosity and my passion for it has just driven me to like work at all aspects of it. And I'm not as like silo, like we were talking about earlier, how like cider, beer, wine, you know, tend Mm -hmm. to be in the silos. Like I don't think about it that way because I drink them all and I like go back and forth and my beer world has fueled my cider world and my wine world has fueled my distillery world. And it just all ties together for me. Cause at the end of the day, like not many people just drink cider or just drink beer. Like, and so why not? Right. Sure. And it's why I love the industry right now is like, yes, there's things like uh, natter days that are like, you know, light beer and lemonade and like weird things. There's this like, but there's this big like blurring of lines happening and like the co-fermentations and like, can it be 51% beer and 49% cider? And like, you know, you've got the wine and cider, you know, hybrids that are happening in co-fermentations. And I think that's great. And like, it's getting rid of those silos a lot. And so, um, yeah, so I was freelancing, uh, two beers brewing became one of my biggest clients. And then uh, we worked on starting Seattle Cider Company and like none of us really knew anything about cider at the time. It was all, it was Angry Orchard or it was these big, beautiful ciders that were expensive, right? Like some of the first ciders I really started drinking were Dragon's Head and Alpenfire cool. and like yeah. gorgeous stuff, but it was expensive. Like you're That's going cool. out and you could only find them at like Noble Fur and you're paying however much for them. And so, you know, we worked on starting a cidery that was in 16-ounce cans that was affordable, and it was amazing. It was amazing to watch. Um, We launched, you know, Seattle Cider in 16 states, and I learned all the things. Like, when I started, I was, you know, I came in full-time as director of marketing and business development and then took over as president in two years in Seattle Cider. And, like, the day, you know, I didn't know what an FOB was 10 years ago. Like, you know, it just... You know, I went home and I Googled it because I was like, I don't want to feel dumb. And that's okay. And now I do. And I deal with it every day. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, so I was at Seattle Cider. And then I jumped over to Angry Orchard for a bit, uh, which everybody's always like, 
that seems like such a weird jump. Um, but I didn't want to run a company for a little while. That was a lot. And, you know, the 250 emails a day got to be a bit. Um, so I actually went over to Angry Orchard to um, work on like the, they have a beautiful facility up in upstate New York, the Hudson Valley, or sorry, mid-state New York, Hudson Valley area uh, called Walden. And so got to work on, you know, the barrel agent projects and the wild fermented cider and kind of travel the world teaching people about cider. And it's so cool. It was really cool. I mean, it's, it was, a, you know, a job that not many people get. And so, yes, talking about Angry Orchard's mainline product, but also getting to go to Spain and learn about cider made in Spain and in England. And that, in the end, has fueled Yonder. And, like, my knowledge base has been so grown by all of those experiences. And so when I left Angry Orchard, um, I said I'd never start my own cidery, like, five years ago. And now here I am. Uh and it's been a roller coaster, but I, I honestly wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I think that is such a smart business move on your part to be like, I know what Angry Orchard is, but I'm going to go into this knowing that I'm getting these opportunities and you get to learn so much from that situation. Like, yeah, that's not, I mean, it's super easy for people and this might just be a beer industry thing, but it's super easy for people to be critical of things like that. Oh, that's like, a, don't worry, that's cider too. <laughs> okay, right. So yeah, to like go beyond that and be like, no, I, I'm improving myself as a professional, which I think is awesome. Um, and I needed a break, you know, like running a company day to day is a lot. And so yeah. to be able to let somebody else run it and to learn at, from people that like had skill sets I never thought of having and like big old presentations and statistics and like just things, you know, that we didn't run on at yeah. any other company I ever worked at. So it's it's not that I use that stuff every day, but it has definitely fueled how we started Yonder and like it makes us better for it. So then how did you go from saying I'm never going to have my own cidery to opening Yonder? Um, I saw an opportunity and I also saw the fact that I had built all these skills over the years, right? I had gone from knowing nothing about cider to doing competitions. Like I judge cider just like you guys do. And I had traveled the world and I had learned a lot from a lot of really amazing people. And at the same time, I have amazing contacts. And I started thinking about like what the cider industry didn't have right now. And it was that blend of culinary and cider fruit of like the, how do you take the modern culinary only cider and the beautiful like cider apple only ciders and like what's, there's nothing in between. Right. And so to bridge that or those worlds and start increasing people's like knowledge base on cider, like stair step it a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where yonder um, came. And at the same time, Tim Larson, who's my cider maker and one of my partners in yonder, he is also the head cider maker at Snowdrift Cider, which is one of my favorite cideries. Oh, cool. Uh, I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah. So he's an amazing cider maker. And like, I'll admit what I don't know. I, I don't make cider. I don't. Like, that's not my, that's not what I do. I will drink it. I will taste it. I will blend it with people. I will come up with new cider, like, you know, ciders and like what our seasonals are, but I don't make it. And so to find a great partner on that end, at the same point, um, Maddie Porter is my other business partner and she's our creative director. Uh, I have worked with her for 10 years on various projects and she helped design Seattle Cider and Two Beers and like, there was an opportunity I saw to like take 
all the knowledge and all of these contacts and bring them together to make one brand that wasn't just beautiful in packaging, that was beautiful in cider inside. And to have those two parts makes people pick it up, but then pick it up again once they try it. Yeah. But it's great that like your background of like traveling the world like influences it too, right? Because it's not done like in a void. Like it's great to have an idea and do it. Like, but to be able to like, you know, these different regions that make cider in different ways and different cider makers, it's, it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And I mean, again, cocktails, right? Like all of our seasonals are cocktail based because I think cocktails are one of the most progressive ways to think about flavors, right? They're thinking about not just like savory notes and sweet notes and spicy notes and like taking ideas. Like I look up cocktail menus all of the time. And that's where we pull a lot of our ideas for infused ciders from because I think cocktail and mixologists are just, they're always so many steps ahead of us. And so I don't want to make another just ginger pear cider. What can we add to it? So ginger pear cardamom, like what can we add to like give our cider more depth? And that comes from the cider world or the cocktail world a lot of the times. And so that's why my world is not like, I can't think in the columns because we pull so much from other people. Um, We're working on a paquette right now, which isn't called paquette and cider, but it's called cider can, which not many people know, but you know, it's, we're trying it out. Cause I was like, I don't know, like my friends in England that run little Pomona cider, they made a cider can and it's killing it over there. And Paquette is huge in the U S and like wild yeah. arc is murdering it on the Paquette scene. Um, old Westminster, old Westminster, just like put one out that's delicious. And so why can't we try the same thing with cider? So I've, yeah, I, I feel like that's going to really kill it because like, you know, it's like a session sort of thing. And like, you know, for lack of a better word, um, but like, yeah, Paquette that we did not forecast that Jess, but we should have. We didn't, we just did a, an episode about what we saw, what we were thinking about for 2021. What are the trends? And we, be? That was not one the, of them. <laughs> yeah. The, the rage of Paquettes and Cidercans. Yeah. I mean, and like nobody is going to say cider can and people are going to be like, what the heck is cider can? But, um, and we're not going to tell them. Okay. We're just gonna- Perfect. Yeah, I was like, don't let them meet me do it right now. Um, but I, I do have the unique benefit of also owning a company called the source cider. And so, um, I was going to bring this up. Yeah. So the source cider is a B2B cidery where we do, um, custom fermentation and premium juice for other cideries, wineries, and breweries. And so, we are working with orchards and procuring the fruit and pressing it and then either freezing the juice for when people need it or we're doing single varietal fermentations. And so I've got all the pumice I need to like rehydrate yeah. and like throw a little honey into and see what happens. And so um, we just pressed our last fruit from the last harvest and um, our cider makers um, on Friday pressed it and threw it in and are trying to like, see what they can do with a cider can. So we'll see. Um, like, you know, talk about silos or columns or whatever. Um, and so within that too, is like where people get their, their, their ingredients. Right. Um, and this is something Jess has talked about before, but you know, for, um, like cider makers, it's apples, apple orchards, people who pick them. Um, and same thing with like beer makers who brewers who also utilize fruit and grapes, um, to, you know, make, put in blend and make into th- their beers as well. And it's like this, there is this like connection with the earth in all these different arenas. Cause it's like, 
you, you know, the um, people who it's like you work with these local farms that you love um, or, you know, because that you know that their fruit is ex exceptional. Um, so, it, you know, like and I'm sure you have some personal relationships with these orchard, you know, the, the farmers and the people who pick them as well. Um, and so I guess like why did you pick the, the, the orchards that you work with? So Tim actually owns most of those relationships. And so when I said I don't know everything and I continue to ask questions, like <laughs> I do the sales and marketing side of the source, but like I am learning so much when it comes to like this past harvest was the first time I've um, tasted a lot of apples before their cider, right? So I get to go in and I get to like pick up a Roxbury russet when it's fresh off the tree, which not a lot of people get to do and taste it. And then I taste it after it's juice and then I taste it after it's cider. And fermented and like that process for me right now is a learning process and it's amazing because you get to taste it all along the way and so you know we we definitely pick cideries that are we have a huge cidery that we work with or a huge orchardist i should say that we work with that does all of our culinary fruit and then we work with little tiny orchards across the state and both washington mainly washington and some of oregon depending on the fruit we're looking for and cider fruit's not an easy game. Like it's expensive to grow and it's hard to grow. And, you know, COVID's taken a hit on that because people are looking for more affordable apples, not the expensive ones. But we're in it and we're here. And I think, you know, yonder's the perfect case study for the source on how like a little bit of the higher quality fruit that's got more tannin, more acid, and more flavor, and more aroma can go so far in a cider. You don't have to do 100% Roxbury Russet. You can do 20% mm -hmm. and it still makes a big difference. So um, I'm learning that part. I mean, agriculture is not my not my strong suit by any means, but yeah. Um, yeah, right. But I am learning so much about it and I'm super thankful. That's why I'm thankful for my business partners. And I've asked, been asked a lot of questions about like, Oh, you do this all on your own? And I'm very clear about like, definitely not. Um, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, picking good business partners and people that are good at things that you're not good at and being able to admit that you're not good at them is like the key to getting started and the key to being successful in the long run. Yeah, I think what's really beautiful about cider and wines the same way is that you're working with a single source for flavor, aroma, body, sugar content, all of it. it it's one thing. Um, you know, when besides the fact blending other juices and flavors in there, but it's like it's those beverages can be really unique in that way because beer is so interesting because it's formulaic in the sense of having different parts of it. I mean, water, yeast, um, malt and hops, you know, it's a a multitude of things that you create to produce something and it's beautiful and there's so many styles and that's what's great about it. But then when you're working with mostly just apple, of course, there's all these different types of apple and you're talking a lot of um, cider versus culinary. And, but it's like, it's so unique that you really are working with one product to create not only this one beverage, but so many different styles of this beverage. And Sean and I talk a lot about terroir because I believe that's something that's not specific to wine. And, it seems to me like apples and Washington apples kind of fall into that specialized category for that too. This is the inherent trouble with cider and challenge for cider, right? Because sometimes we fall into beer. Like sometimes people think about us like beer. 
Sometimes people think I'm about, about like wine, but you go into a bar and what do you say? You say 12 beer taps and one cider tap. Like mm-hmm. all the cider is the same. But you have 12 beer taps on. Like you got an IPA and an amber and a pale and like, you know, a couple pilsners. Those are all beer. Like cider can be that multitude as well and can be that variety, just like in wine. Like, you know, I'm not a huge Pinot person, but I'm a huge Zin person. You know, mm-hmm. like you're saying, you know, those are just grapes, but they all have different flavor profiles and, you know, characteristic to them. And and ciders, cider is the same way. Apples are the same way where an ash meets kernel is super tannic and, you know, really tart and maybe needs a little bit of sugar to balance it out where Roxbury Russet is super tropical on its own and light and smooth and doesn't need anything added to it. And so we try at Yonder to, we've been using Yonder Bar to sell single varietal ciders on draft. And it's so much fun to watch people that like buy our semi-sweet and our dry and our cashmere and our palisades come and get, you know, a 64 ounce growler of a single varietal Roxbury Russet. And they have no idea what that means. No idea. Right. <laughs> and it's not cheap. Those are expensive ciders. Yeah. They love it and they love learning about it. And like we're trying at Yonder to push those bounds and to make people think about cider in those multitudes and in those different ways and that it can be a bit more flexible. And like a lot of the challenge is doing it in a way that people care about. Like we just released a cider called Stoked. And I don't know if you guys saw that or Stoked. Yeah, like Stoked. Yeah. It's but you know what it is and why the name it's why it's called that? Is I remember it the because it, it, it has the image of someone like on a ski lift or snowboarding or skiing or something and isn't it like someone that you know or a friend yeah so it's the reason it's called stoked is because it's 70 percent stoke red apple fine and stoke oh, red yeah. apple is like a very specialized cider apple but like nobody cares about that like fine but stoked people think it's cool and so we took stoke red made it stoked and then yeah our production manager cam he has a very epic COVID mullet going on right now. It's like okay. pretty okay. great. And then when he skis, he wears like a neon pink and yellow onesie. And so the <laughs> little, it's it's a very like, you can see it. I like it. the sky. Yeah. I like the sky a lot. Um, but that's the <laughs> little image. Like we've got him patterned on the can and we posted a picture of him. And so like, if I can use my marketing PR brain to create a cider and a brand that then sells and gets people to know more about cider apples and like the multitudes that cider has and like the flexibility that it has and the flavors that it has. Awesome. And that's what we need. So, you know, you got to have both. You, you got to have both. It's almost like you're tricking people into learning something, which I think yeah, right? is key. Cause like, if you're like, and this is like we've learned as like trying to do Seattle Beer School stuff. Like some stuff is like people are into it. Some other things are you could tell we're like, uh oh, that was a dead. And it's like when you're like talk, call it a class, people are gonna like treat it like such, and they're gonna think they can't talk, and they're gonna be all weird. Mm-hmm. If you're like, this is just this, and you trick them into learning something, then it's like way better. <laughs> I mean, we're trying to trick people to picking up our cider in general, right? Like you look at the yonder cans and they don't, they don't look like cider. They don't have an apple mm-hmm. or a tree on them. It's no, I excellent, excellent that. branding. Yeah. So you got to kind of like find it. So I want the beer drinkers, the wine drinkers, the hard kombucha drinkers, the sparking seltzer drinkers to like walk by and be like, oh, not be like, oh, that's the cider section. Be like, oh my God, that's an amazing brand. 
And if they pick it up and they're interested in it, at least for that moment, and it makes them maybe buy a four pack, we're that much further in getting people to understand cider um, than we were before. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just love this motivation behind it. I love seeing your passion for it and like your drive to want consumers to understand more because that's a lot of what Shauna and I do is like we just want people to understand beer more and be more confident in their beer drinking and be excited about things and feel like you can ask questions and be present and like a lot of people feel like well I don't know enough it's like basically no one knows enough <laughs> so oh, like let's just God. drink and talk about our experiences because that's what's fun about this everyone's just faking it it's like it's crazy i'm glad you said that you're not afraid to ask questions and stuff like that because uh i mean i know we've probably all been here and i i still am like this i'll just be like oh yeah and like pretend like i know what someone's talking about and then i'll just like go to the bathroom and google it and it's like why did i just ask them what it was like why didn't i i'm like oh yeah 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 mallow lacto fermentation uh-huh uh -huh. carbonic maceration is mine where i'm like this is Ooh. such a weird concept and i like it's a catchphrase i googled it a thousand times and i'm like i still don't understand this somebody needs to like show me <laughs> and so yeah. no it's 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 a really important thing and i think you know the reason i got into beer in the first place was because it wasn't wine and i could i didn't have to feel stupid i could be like i don't know what should i try tell me why i should try it like tell me what i'm supposed to be tasting and like you could do that in a way that people were really approachable about and just wanting to teach you about, which is why I appreciate what you guys do so much is because like there are things that people are afraid to ask and knowledge is power. And if you can walk into a bar and like be confident in what you're ordering or even be confident in asking the question of like, hey, I heard this has blank. Can you tell me what that means? Like that's a big step like being able to use the verbiage properly I think is like one of the biggest roadblocks for people of like even if you can ask the question like are you going to be able to verbalize it properly um so what you guys do is amazing to be able to like bring those conversations into a digestible and like really familiar and friendly format it, it helps yeah I mean it, and it's so much fun too it's like um, alcohol is fun. So we, we want to remind yeah. people that like, no matter what beverage it is, like we're having a good time. We're supposed to be having fun right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I used to be a TV reporter, which I don't. Oh, I was going to bring that up. Cause I, I read that. Oh God. Yeah. That's cool uh, I used to not tell people that. And then when I worked for Richard, people found out and now I'm like, whatever. Um, so I used to be a TV reporter and you know what you ended up, it was during the, the, the recession and like a lot of shit was going on in the world. And you ended up reporting on all the crap that was happening. And you go home at the end of the day and you were like drained and like sad. And so when I moved to Seattle and I started getting into craft beer, I was like, the world could be falling to pieces, but like beverage still happens. People still drink. People still have fun. Like there's still this thing here where like, yes, it's hard, but at least there's still some joy to be had in this industry at all times. And uh, there's always something to learn and it's always changing and people enjoy themselves. And I think that's just like a beautiful thing that not every industry has. And the camaraderie, like talking with you guys, going to Fast Money Spirits today, like you don't get that in many industries. And I think that's what keeps me here. And, you know, cider is 1% of craft beer, we tiny, but, you know, we're growing and 
this bridging the gap and breaking those silos down will help everyone. And it's, it's just such a great place to be. A hundred percent agree. It's like, there is a reason why I'm in this industry. And it was like the first time I was working as a server and saw like a brewer's night um, at the bar I was working at. I was like, what do I need to do to get into that? Because that looks like so much fun. And it's because it is like, you're, you're right. It's like people need something to escape. It's something that humans have done since the beginning of existence. And it does formulate community and it, it really fosters these relationships and I don't know, just like nice feeling. Like you're saying it's one thing to come home from a lot of shitty stuff. And it's like, those people are doing great work. Cheers to y'all. But <laughs> some of us like are lucky enough to be able to work in these industries. And I don't take that for granted. And it like comes down to like a very like fundamental thing of like sitting around a table and having dinner with like your family or friends. Like it's such like a primal thing. And you know, not every family is, has that luxury and not every family does that or group of friends or whatever. But if that's something that's important to you, like it goes beyond just like eating food for sustenance or like drinking water because you have to, it's like, Oh, I'm doing this. Cause it's like, I don't know. I'm learning something and I'm like talking to people that I, it's just, you know, it's like this bridges so many different, gaps in a way that I guess like other companies, other companies, other industries don't. Yeah. And I mean, I have this, um, in my upstairs of my house, I have this wine fridge and it's always filled with like weird stuff. Right. And so pre COVID friends would come over and the fridge was fair game and they'd pull something out and they'd be like, tell me about this. Cause it's like weird stuff from like Vermont and down South and like, you know, different, like it's Paquette or it's like a co-fermentation or it's, you know, beer wine collab. And I love that because you're, you're teaching people. And as long as you don't mind me preaching to you a little bit about what it is <laughs> and, and like, you don't mind that you might not, and I don't mind that you might not like it. I'll drink it. That's why it's in there. Like it's, it's fun. It's, it's an industry I love and like it brings people together and there's always, like I said, there's always something to learn. I think we're going to have to drop you off a little care package. Um, I was just so, thinking the same thing. <laughs> So be, on the, um, be on the lookout. I mean, anytime. I'm happy to <laughs> to drink things that you guys drop off. Yeah, it's um, and this is what I love, right? Right here, like this. This day has been all of this, and I think that's what makes it special. And people are always like, "You have so many connections." I was like, "Because I'm just like the most curious person." And why not? Like, why can't I go? I'm I'm just using fast penny because I saw them today, but like. Why can't I go learn about the like 45 spices they put into their American Amaro and like learn from that to make a really great barrel aged cider? And yeah. I think that's really special. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, this has been an, an absolutely lovely conversation. I want to wrap it up with one little segment that I like to call Drenchies, where um, you talk to us <laughs> about what your favorite drunk munchies are or like your go-to snacks once you've been drinking historically or current munchie situation. I think mm. I should just eat olives. Oh, the olives are good. I mean, those are like a getting drunk snack. Yeah. Uh, I am a big like old trash and ice cream sandwich person. So like the shittier mm. the ice cream sandwich, the better. Like if you can like lick the outside, it just... David, who you guys know, and I were having this discussion the other day about like which one's your favorite, and I was like, oh. <laughs> um, a very important conversation. Uh, uh, that is kind of my go-to because it's always like in the freezer, doesn't go bad, that kind of thing. 
um, other drunken snacks. Um, I'm just like a big pizza person. Uh, it's so and, hard not to be eating pizza when I you're know, drinking. Right. Um, in college, we had um, a burrito place across the way that I was like really into. Um, but like currently, now that I try and live a semi healthy lifestyle, it doesn't really succeed. Uh, the, you know, old fashioned ice cream sandwiches, I think, are my leg. Get home, eat one of those, go to bed. I love that. I imagine that there's some sort of nostalgic factor into that too, especially if you're talking like, not, it's not even like the it's it, which I love me and it's it, but like, no, like the shitty, just like chocolate cakes, like oh, yeah. Oreo cookie sort they of. Stick to your fingers kind oh, of. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like it's made of wax. You're just like, what is this? Is this ice cream? I'm not sure what this is. Wait, do I get to ask what your guys' are? Yeah, there's um, no rules. Yeah. Shauna, what, what about you? How, what have you been feeling? You well, been, tend to have popcorn at your house, and I will I always stand on the popcorn you make. I've been on I've been on a popcorn kick for about twenty years now. Uh, I like popcorn no <laughs> matter what. I can be legit. So, I, I just love popcorn, uh, like on the stove, like you know, like stove popcorn. I have like a whirly pop. You know, I take it very seriously. Um, but if I'm drunk, it gets a little cumbersome. So I guess I would say. I'm more savory. Like I would just make like a whole bag of pasta. Just go for pasta straight up a meal. <laughs> just like, oh yeah. A little, that's that's like, like olive oil salt situation. Like butter. Oh, yeah. pasta? But maybe okay. butter. I'll do butter a little. Maybe if I have it, mac and cheese, like if there's one of those in the, like a, you know, a box. Of it's, yeah. Yeah. It's like at a point where I've made it so many times. I was just like muscle memory. doesn't matter if you like blackout, you can still make it. <laughs> blackout mac and cheese making yeah i like always am so like pumped that i'm like i can make a whole meal uh it doesn't well, always- I'm, I'm impressed with your like tenacity to like be like no meal i'm gonna like boil i'm gonna stand here and boil water make pasta i'm like give me whatever's in the freezer i guess yeah otherwise i guess i would say just any like chips like oh. you know those like uh black those uh salt and pepper chips Ooh. oh like the kettle chips yeah those are dangerous yeah i'm irish so it's like hey, tomato, give it to me <laughs> yeah potatoes. i'm the same way it's like i try my hardest it's like one of those things when you grocery sh- when you grocery shop sober which is how you should probably be doing most of your grocery shopping and you're like planning out your week and you got all these healthy things you're like yeah and then when it's like friday and you've had a couple and you're just like god damn it why didn't i get some snacks i have no snacks in the house <laughs> and it's a bunch of frozen eat. strawberries <laughs> wow that's healthy yeah go for that <laughs> Make it a wait what do you go for you didn't answer the question well, I kind of, um, yeah, it's mostly it, it's if I've done good grocery shopping and I have snacks, whatever is in a bag, I'm opening and eating. Uh, but if I'm talking guilty pleasure, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely um, flaming hot Cheetos con limon. Um, uh, love that shit, which Takis are also great too, but I, I, I lean towards the hot Cheetos. Um, so specific, like so so hot <laughs> so red those are disturbing like, i can't wake up in the morning that. and you're like what happened your fingers are all like yeah. orange they're <laughs> red your fingernails my intestines Ew. are red like it's like 
And it's like, technically, I don't eat lactose. And that for sure has like powdered milk stuff in it. Oh. So it's like, it's just a whole mess. That's <laughs> the, the least day. of your concern in that. Like <laughs> powdered milk. Like, I'm not even sure what else is in there. But I think powdered milk is like the least... There's red number and five. The color, the, yeah. That bright red is slightly disturbing. Like, how did we get here? I just can't what imagine waking up in the morning being like, oh no, what did I do? Where'd the bag go? <laughs> yeah, you're just like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> A trail of just red crumbs everywhere. <laughs> the I'm so together. glad I asked. This is so revealing. This is great. This is the best question. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> All right. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us and giving us your insight, talking cider. This is their first cider episode. So I love, I love talking cross industry. I mean, like you said, we're all kind of like one industry, but it is nice to break away from our malt fermented beverage and get into some apple fermented beverages. Oh, I appreciate it so much. And yeah, anytime. Uh, Love to talk cider. Love to talk beer. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, let's someday covid free we can hang out in real real life yeah that would be nice someday we'll do some floodland and maybe you'll let us raid your secret fridge with funky fermented stuff in it anytime (laughs) excellent all right well thank you for being here um have a good night and cheers 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 that was a titan cast episode Hey, dog biters! Mike here, host of the Man Bites Dog Podcast. I came here today to give a little promo for our show, but I made the mistake of telling my co-hosts it might be funny if they came in and were mean to me. Uh, well, here's how that went. Hi, I'm Mike Hill, host of the Man Bites Dog Podcast, a game show where I ask you, you, Mike. Okay. That, all right. Well, that's unnecessary. Oh, you're unnecessary. Okay. It. I'll do the thing later. <laughs> what do you want us to say? I was being mean. You. All right. That is Get true. On. He was doing what you asked. Okay. Thank you, It's not my problem. If you have a problem with me f-ing talking to when you say talk to me, say something mean. I said something mean. And you're going to be like, oh, don't, don't just do it by myself later. I already deleted everything I wrote. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Man bites dog. It's a lot like that. Except there's less bleeping. And there's a news quiz. Oh, God. <laughs>